Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. A very special episode this week as we are going to be joined shortly by a very special guest. Dan TDM is going to be joining myself and Azul to give us a little bit of background is his history as a competitive Pokemon TCG player. He started to get back into it over the last couple of years and played at EUIC this past year. He actually did a really interesting video over on his YouTube channel about that tournament. Be sure to check that out. But Azul and I are looking forward to having a conversation with him, uh, both about his history and then also after that about an upcoming project that he has coming out, something he is funding called Twin Leaf, a tool for the Pokemon trading card game that hopes to release pretty soon. We're going to get some details from him about that, about what exactly is happening there. And uh, anyone in the Pokemon TCG community is definitely going to be excited about this project coming up. We, of course, are going to have everyone's favorite segment. Guess that flavor text. Dan's going to be guessing the card. as one I have picked one out for him. He will be trying to figure out what Pokemon we have picked. And then uh, we're going to close out the episode by chatting about Paradox Rift, the new set. What we think about it, how we think it's going to affect LAIC coming up, what are the best decks right now, what we've been enjoying playing and testing ourselves. And then we're going to close things out over on our bonus episode on the Patreon. If you want to check that out every single week, Azul and I do an additional 30-minute episode exclusive to our Patreon supporters. So check that out. It's patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. You can, of course, check the link in the description and all that as well. Here we go. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, buddy? How we doing, Azul? Uh, doing good, Chip. Uh, Paradox Rift has been fun. I've been playing a ton of that since it came out. Did it just come out on Thursday, right? So it's been like, what? Yeah, six L- days? Less than a week. Five yeah. days, yeah. Uh, so I've been playing a ton of that. It's been a ton of fun to play Pokemon again. It wasn't like super unenjoyable to play Pokemon, but the last format felt like it dragged on for quite a while it was while. definitely time for a new set right yeah because like the last couple of set releases didn't change too much we got Gardevoir, then we got charizard did 151 do anything we got mu ex yeah. so that made colorless lugia a little bit better so very some very small uh fluctuations in the metagame but i feel like this but not what you really expect from like major set releases but this this newest set i feel like definitely is going to shake things up quite a bit more than we've had in quite a while so that's exciting um yeah i've been playing a ton with a ton of different decks um, it's been really enjoyable to try out all the new stuff, and there's quite a bit of it. Yeah, I've been doing like the the multi streaming on Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok, keeping up with the YouTube videos. So just a lot of content stuff for me uh, this week. Or I was do, been doing a lot of content stuff uh, this week. So that's basically been my my whole week is just the the content grind. I, specifically trying to get used to like the the multi streaming thing because that's definitely like a a different beast, I guess you could say for sure. But uh, really been enjoying it overall. Definitely been. Uh, uh, a good time so far with it. What about you, Chip? How is your uh, how's your week been? Pretty good. Pretty um, uneventful. This is my first weekend home in like a month, so we just kind of got to hang out. Um, my mom actually came over Sunday morning and watched the baby for a little bit, and Brick and I went out to uh, on a little date. Went to brunch, got some time together, which we haven't gone on like a solo dinner date, just the two of us, and or I guess like a meal date. It wasn't a dinner, but uh, in a while, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it was nice to just kind of relax, chill at home for a little bit. And then, uh, right back into the traveling LAIC just around the corner, looking forward to it. Been trying to practice a lot. I'm actually playing at LAIC. I know uh, I maybe have mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but it's 
was kind of buried in the episode, so maybe people don't know. But yeah, I'm not casting at LAIC. I actually am going down to play. I've only ever played at two international championships. I played at NAIC in 2017 and NAIC in 2018. Those are the only two internationals I've ever competed in. So kind of excited to get a chance to play in one of these again, and especially one that is not in North America. This is the first time I've ever gone to a Pokemon tournament to play outside of North America. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Hoping to uh, do well, hoping to find a really good deck that we feel solid about and hope to have a couple of us make a good run, you know? Yeah. And actually you've been, you're one of the ones who has been putting in like the, <laughs> the most time I feel like so far with like the try hard testing stuff. You've really been pushing uh, to, to get some, trying to get on and grind games, man. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with like the new set. There's a lot to like, Listen, same. It goes out. down for nap time. I'm hitting people up. I'm like, let's get on, let's grind. Come on, let's make it happen. <laughs> get my hour, hour and a half in. That's what we got. <laughs> I will say it has yeah. been convenient that like on TCG Live, I can like sneak a game or two here and there on my phone. It's definitely been nice. Like, oh, if I got a little idea or I see a deck that seems interesting, I can just kind of get a feel for it, try it out, right? Yeah. It has been a little yeah. nice to have that flexibility, uh, which I haven't, you know, I haven't like prepped for a tournament like this in a long time. So yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully can have a decent round. We'll see what happens though. Yeah, I'm excited for it as well. I'm unfortunately not gonna be able to get as much of the the try hard testing of side of things done as I would like, but I'm gonna try and get as many just games in general. Well, once you know, we get down to and, Brazil, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once we actually get to Brazil, that'll be you know, three, four days in a row. Um, I think I get in on Tuesday. Um I think tuesday maybe it's monday i don't even remember to be honest maybe it's late monday i think it's late monday i leave monday morning from here i think it's like late monday by the time i get over there i don't know i could check my flight right now to be honest i'm actually kind of curious but yeah i get right. I, I i know You're i leave monday, there some monday or tuesday yeah i know i get there that's for sure well unless my flight gets canceled but hopefully not <laughs> Well, um, with all that being said, Azul, I'm super excited for this week's episode. Uh, super cool of Dan to be willing to give yeah. some of his time up to come on and chat with us. You know, he's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. He's got a family. He got some pretty massive YouTube channels to keep up with. So uh, really excited to get to have this conversation with him. And with all that being said, let's welcome in Dan TDM. And we are joined now by a very special guest, over 28 million subscribers on YouTube, a titan of the YouTube space uh, in the Minecraft world, but maybe got his start somewhere that uh, people might not realize in the Pokemon world. And we're very excited now to be joined by Dan TDM. Dan, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us, man. We're really excited uh, for this episode. No worries. Uh, thank you for having me. I've actually watched and listened to a lot of your guys' stuff, so it's cool to be on here. <laughs> That's awesome to hear, man. We're, we were super Super pumped to have you. So, yeah, we brought you on today. We're going to talk about this upcoming project you have, Twin Leaf. But before we get into that, you know, I'm sure many people would probably be interested to hear kind of your background in Pokemon, how this kind of, you know, how you got started in Pokemon or, um, you know, obviously you've become so successful just in YouTube in general, large part with Minecraft being such a successful game as well. Like, you know, yeah. you kind of as that game has exploded, you know, you've continued to explode and uh, do really well and find success on YouTube, but kind of humbler beginnings, you could say, right? With a, a bit smaller of a competitive game, right? Not playing Minecraft, but playing yeah. the Pokemon trading card game. So yes, people may know who Dan TDM is, but maybe tell the people who is Pokemon Dan level 
47. <laughs> 45. 45. 45. Oh, I missed that. Yes, level 45. <laughs> You know, everyone thinks as a secret meeting and it's not. It's just completely random. <laughs> you just randomly picked 45? Yeah, I think I was playing the um, the Game Boy version of the game. And they I'm sure they have a little thing where they can add like a level as if you were in the, the actual game, like the, the regular Pokemon games. I'm sure that was my username in there. And I just like tacked that onto the, the YouTube name when I signed up for it. Uh... So unfortunately, no like secret lore there. <laughs> <laughs> would be way cooler if there was some secret it order. would be i need to make something up <laughs> yeah we'll delete this part so nobody knows that you've, <laughs> you've gone back in and retconned the the level 45 but yeah tell us yeah. tell us about pokemon dan level 45 man so um i didn't make the channel straight away so obviously i got into the game i'm trying to remember how i even got into it but it was around the time of i think the heart gold soul silver expansion had just released so there was the primes there was lantern for alligator i don't know which one that was yeah yeah like yeah Unleashed, uh, like triumphant maybe? i think triumphant yeah that's it so i came it, i came into the game around that time and where i was living at the time uk nationals was literally like right around the corner from where me and my wife used to live so and that was a point where you could just go whenever you wanted to there's no play points no nothing like that no qualification you could just go straight there so we rocked up with our, I think she played the Lantern for Alligator thing. So I think it had a rain dance kind of effect. Um, it does, yeah. And then I had, my favorite Pokemon is Gengar. So I had a Gengar deck and I started 3-0, but like not knowing what I was doing, but only because I had the one that had the coin flip, which <laughs> would knock out the opponent's Pokemon if they knocked it out. <laughs> I had yeah, one yeah. copy of that and it did like crazy good in the first three rounds then it went downhill so <laughs> that's the one fainting spell yes this is yes. A, a legendary yeah. card right here such a good card but yeah that won me like my first three games i think it was best of one back then as well so one good fainting spell flip for me was game winning sometimes even though i had like no idea what i was doing so that's how we got into the game and then I just got super into it from then. I was like on all the websites. It was forums back then. Mm -hmm. There wasn't that much on YouTube either, but I loved making videos anyway. I always have done. And then I watched Jaywitz. So yep. I, I loved what he did and the way that he uh, approached the game. And I tried to use it as a way to learn the game myself, but also teach other people about it. So I was like, hey, I'm going to give this a go and see what happens. And it actually did pretty well, I feel like. We had the PokerCast episodes, uh, tabletop gameplay when I could do it. But this was like, when did I start that channel? 2010, so 13 years ago. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 2010, 13 years ago. And I think it's funny now looking back. I can't imagine when you were at the peak of Pokemon Dan, level 45, that you had 119,000 no, subscribers. No, no. <laughs> so is this I... just like a lot of people finding it like with your current success? Like going yeah, back and watching so they, these little videos? Yeah, trying to find like the first video, I guess, of why I ever uploaded, which is technically that. Um, and then there was one right here. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at that background, man. <laughs> the quality. It's the cameras we had access to back in the day. Oh. <laughs> Oh man, 
that's a throwback but yeah we oh that's what it is me and my wife love watching pack openings so we used to watch people open like booster boxes you could only upload like 10 minutes max on youtube so you had to split them into loads of parts as well so we used to love watching those then we learned how to play the game that's how we got into it then from nationals just got addicted from there pretty much and that's where i learned through doing the poker class and all the i used to do all the music the graphics literally everything i learned everything i know now where i started from doing these pokemon videos and then i got a sponsor from uh collector's cash mm -hmm. so they sponsored the beginning of the videos because they had a decent um viewership for the game's size at the time and i was just able to fund trips and fund being able to buy the cards and stuff through this channel so it worked out perfectly it means i could like it could self-fund itself pretty much so that's how Pokemon Down was born, <laughs> In, inspired by Jay Witz. So big shout out to him for sure. Actually, were you like, um, so how many years did you play for then? For like, where, how competitive were you? Like you got, you said you went to like nationals, that first nationals was right around the corner. Yeah. And then you got into it after that. Were you super competitive after that or in going yeah, to a bunch so of stuff in Europe or? I did, we had like, it was Roads, cities, regionals. And the thing about it, in the UK at the time, the scene was really small. So you'd have all these people that would go worlds and do really well at worlds at every battle roads, at every cities, at every regionals. You just play the same like caliber of people. So the pool was small, like of players, but they were every single event was really competitive. So that was fun. I did do some European events as well. I did the Prague Cup. I did top 16 there, which was one of my best like performances. I remember that because I found my pet deck. My pet deck was um, Reshiram Typhlosion. That was my favorite deck of all time. <laughs> nice and simple, straight to the point. I knew what I had to do every game. <laughs> yeah, there is the blue flame. Yep. Blue yeah, flare. This is it. This That's was such it. a good car. I mean, this was like a, a dominant force in like the 2011 time frame, right? Azul? Yes. Like just before... Yeah. I remember it struggled when Got the Tail came out. That was when it started to struggle. Yeah. Like initially, but yeah, 130 HP was un unheard of when this thing first came yeah. out. And then <laughs> doing 120 damage was insane. Like, and you could plus power it too to make 130. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The one hit KOs on the Zekroms and stuff like that. That's really yes. cool. Yeah. I see. I didn't even, this is before I even played the game. Oh, like, really? Yeah. But I, I've like collect retro decks and stuff now. So I've gone mm -hmm. back and like I have a Reshiflosion deck built and. Uh, have like played these formats, but yeah, I didn't start playing until I started playing like 2015. So, nice. you've been around you, you, you've like been around the game for like uh, a lot longer than many of the people who like even play the game today. You know, like that's crazy. I, I talk to people <laughs> at tournaments and stuff now, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I started playing when uh, like Pikachu Zekrom came out," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, so not that long ago." And then I realized that was what 2018, so that's yeah. <laughs> five years ago now. Like that's that's <laughs> kind of a long time ago at this point. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It's crazy how how long we played this game. But yeah, I remember that was my favorite deck of all time. Did really well with it at Prague. Um, I moved on to was SP must have been before this then, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I played that. I, I think I top sixteen UK nationals with that as well, like the classic Luxtromp kind of build. Um, I played that for a long time uh that was i wish i wanted to play i wanted to play gengar at that time but the sp was just so good <laughs> it was pretty good yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, my wife used to play the dialga version i can't remember what it did but i think it trained a lot i can't remember yep. 
Yep. <laughs> so she played that. Uh, yeah, had moderate su- success. Did Bower won a few Bower Roads, won a few cities. Top Cut UK Nats a couple times. So yeah, not too bad, not too shabby. <laughs> yeah. So was the, I guess like the, so you competed for a little while after that, and then was like the when you know, what was like the the point where you kind of got out of competitive Pokemon? Like how how much longer after? Like how long were you around you know competing? And then what was like the the point where you kind of uh you know got too busy? I guess with other things uh, like Dan TDM and stuff took over. I assume at some yeah, point, right? It was when that took over because on the Dan TDM when that that really took over. I was doing two videos every day. Um, the three hundred sixty five days a year, I'll do two videos. I'd edit them myself, thumbnail myself every single day so you literally wake up make videos go sleep so there was just no no room <laughs> for pokemon so i kind of dipped out when it's probably just after this the the worlds where it was reuniclus the the truth deck one the that's 20... like 2011 i think it's like ross Cawthorn's kind of yeah build. i think it was after that i definitely didn't play when we had the gx's or the tag teams and then came back in when V Stars came back. Yeah, so pretty big gap there. Did you always yeah. like? Um, how much of a collector are you? I guess is like something I'm curious about because you're a competitor. Sounds like you enjoyed playing, competing, but at, like you probably had cards. Bef- Did you have cards before? Like you started, you know, with doing watching the pack opening videos and getting to that. Did you have cards, you know, when you were a kid and stuff like that? Yeah, I definitely had cards when I was a kid. I don't have any of them from then now i wish i did i still have some of these restaurants and we were all the... so dumb when we were kids man like, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. just got rid of all our cards what were we thinking <laughs> and even when even when i played i would like before they'd rotate because i never went to worlds mm-hmm. i would just sell them all when they still had their value so before rotation sell them all fund the next set that you had to buy so i never really had i don't really have a collection of old stuff unfortunately but now i do have stuff behind me so i have like old boxes and stuff but that's not from childhood that's bought more recently so i collect but most of the time i just i just love playing the game it's the game that that gets me it's just so i don't know what it is about it it's just really easy to pick up like even taking a massive break it was kind of still fairly easy to get back into and get used Mm -hmm. to the new mechanics that are in so i had no idea what like the gx and v star thing was about we had an extra marker that we had to flip over that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um yeah, so something about the game was absolutely love it. I can't can't put it down. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny that like when you started in 2011 is when the the Lost Zone first became a thing with Gengar Prime. Yeah, Gengar Prime directly, and then p- p- basically between then and now, where uh, we have the Lost Zone once again, there was basically no, no Lost Zone in between that whole time period. Like yeah, one thing that, the like, Lost March disrespect is unreal. Well, we just right yeah, now. there was Lost March. There was one other time <laughs> where there was the interaction with the Lost Zone, but there was a pretty big gap. Um, yeah, the Lost Zone has definitely been most relevant all the way back then, and then right now. Yeah, right now it's when it's been most relevant, I guess, out of any yeah any time. But did um did Gengar? I remember when the leaks for Gengar came out, or the when it came out in J- Japan. Did it have a was there a card where you just win the game? lost yeah, i remember when that came out and everyone was like games ruined it's over yeah <laughs> and then no one used it <laughs> it was not lost good, the yeah. world yeah six oh man yep and you might be shocked to i mean i guess you you're kind of in it now so you probably see like similar reactions still happen new oh, sure. card comes yeah. out and people are like 
the game is over. No one is going to play anymore. This game <laughs> yeah. is, like this card is too broken. And uh, yeah. I don't remember anyone playing Lost World in their deck. I don't. I, I actually don't think it happens. No, I remember there was some some Gengar Prime, but not not this. Yeah, it was not not very good. Yeah, the Gengar Prime deck wasn't very good. There was like a Mime Junior mm-hmm. lock type deck as well mm-hmm. with Lost World, where like it was an eventual win con. Um, I remember there was like a, a pokey dad in my area who played back then who like only played the Mime Junior deck and, and he was like pretty good. He was like good. If he picked up a good deck, he would do well, but he always liked playing the Mimi stuff and he did like the Mime Junior Mime Junior type <laughs> deck. Um <laughs> but yeah, yeah, everyone that was like probably the most panic I've ever seen in the Pokemon TCG was Lost World. Definitely, yeah. People are talking about quitting the game. Like right now, yeah, these days people yeah. just come playing, but no one no one actually says they're gonna quit. Um, Iron anyone hands who, anyone who anyone quit just yet? Yeah, Iron Hands hasn't made anyone quit. Anyone who does say they're going to quit Pokemon always comes back the next major tournament. It's also um, true. Yeah, <laughs> like Estrada said, he was I think done going into the season, and then won like the first regional of the season or whatever, got sec- <laughs> or won the second one, whatever one of it was. So they always come back. They always come back. Um, um, so you didn't like you. So you haven't collected through all the years, but you've been doing like more recently. You've been like getting into like getting some of the older older things that you think are cool yeah, in so TCG? I used to buy so we just save up get the box of the set that's just coming out and hope we pull the the good stuff like Mewtwo for example I remember when that came out um they did less promos back in the day as well cuz now I feel like the game is super accessible now yeah. they have cuz I remember like Mewtwo came out and then you'd have to play a small run of tournaments before it came out in a tin and that's when the it'd be more accessible to get. So you'd, we'd buy like one booster box and then be like, I hope I get a Mewtwo. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I'm super lucky, I'll get two. But um, but now the I buy... The back in this time were also terrible compared yeah. to before now. Like I feel <laughs> yeah, like I've sure, seen yeah. videos and stuff of like people opening a booster box and they got like three EXs out of it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like something absolutely... And now you open up a box and you're disappointed that you got 12 hits. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was like two versions of this card and you'd get one every i don't even know you have to be super lucky to get it yeah it's funny that you uh, come out in yeah it's funny that you mentioned the mewtwo because i actually had the exact same experience so all my siblings used to play and i have or three of my siblings used to play so we got a box the mewtwo ex set whatever it was we got we got like one booster box each set and there was four of us um and i <laughs> you remember fight over the mewtwo <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two, i remember pulling two mewtwos out of our box so we were like we had some mewtwos to work with initially but there was four of us so it made it hard to um get us all the all the decks that we need to get put to put together but that's funny that you mentioned that because i remember that specifically as well the mewtwo yeah. set when the mewtwo set came out in context for anyone listening like when this set came out like this was the card like this card absolutely was entirely changed the game it was the best card in the game by far and it was like impossible to get your hands on like i feel like yeah i didn't play it this time but i've heard people tell stories about it being like 70 80 dollars just to like get one copy for your deck yeah like i'm really glad that the days of that don't happen with playing the game (laughs) Mm -hmm. anymore (laughs) this was like i remember sp when you you wanted a luxury i think there was a promo luxury as well but i had to play of just one luxury because it was so hard to get the best, yeah. the most optimum was like two, two, but then mm-hmm. I, I could only get my hands on one. So you had to kind of uh, work your deck around that. <laughs> Whereas yeah. now they'll probably be in like a league deck or something. And yeah. then whenever you would, uh, I remember like going to US Nationals, Luxors would be like $70, $80. And like yeah. Mega Prime on 2011 was like 80 bucks or something. Oh my God. Yeah. And you needed yeah. like four of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> insane back then. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say Mewtwo EX is what 
people think Iron Hands was going to be when Mewtwo EX actually when Mewtwo actually came out. Yeah, um, yeah. People have no idea. <laughs> they they should be content with the how impactful the Iron Iron Hands is today. Um, they For wouldn't sure. be able to handle Mewtwo EX back in the day. Yeah, especially because it was weak to itself. That was the main was... <laughs> the main kicker. That was just. <laughs> Just mad. The Mewtwo Wars of old. We've heard yep. many a tale of the Mewtwo war- Wars <laughs> of, of 2012. Um, well, yeah, so cool. So you mentioned kind of getting back into it and having a pretty easy time, like kind of getting back into mm. the game, like repicking it up. Is there anything you remember reading or a card you remember seeing for the first time that you were like, oh, yeah, that's just like X old card that I remember playing with? Because I feel like they recycle some of these. Uh, game yeah. mechanics everyone's like as we'll mention the lost zone right being prominent back then and then being prominent today was there any like uh, like i remember sitting backstage at one of the regionals talking to aaron zhang uh cybertron one of the vg yeah. casters who also used to play the tcg and someone had a temple of Sinnoh in play and i was like oh that's the same as crystal beach which is a card that was back then he's like oh yeah i know what that does like he knew right away that's what that does yeah um i'm trying to think because i feel like it was a lot to get used to how f- much faster the game was because the everything had so much hp that was really weird to get used to because i was used to people using cleffer all the time pokemon collector like super slow setup cards so i'm trying to think if there's anything similar i mean obviously like oh dark patch dark patch was one when that came back i was like here's my card because <laughs> dark right mewtwo was like dark patch used to be so good so when i saw that was coming back i was like oh <laughs> we're getting back to like that um that kind of era but it didn't do as well as i thought it would <laughs> well i mean dark patch moment. might have its time coming up though this yeah set. i Roaring was trying that yesterday pretty dang good <laughs> yeah but no apart from that it was more seeing the cards specifically stuff like arceus v star where you can just pluck two out of the deck um it's more getting used to the power that these cards had now compared to uh flash impact for 60 kind of thing yeah <laughs> but, and it used to be too like it had lower stuff so stuff now has higher hp so it almost makes mm-hmm. you think like oh it's got more hp the game would last longer right it takes longer to yeah. kill pokemon but everything just does so much damage it, it the game's back you know the time frame you're talking about you know 10 turns sometimes and nowadays it's yeah. like you're surprised if a game goes over five turns it feels like a lot of times yeah yeah that was that was a lot to get used to but now we're in the thick of it. <laughs> so it sounds like you're uh, you're keeping up with the game right now, especially mm-hmm. like post your your uh, playing at at UIC, which we'll talk about a little bit more. So, do, but what about that time period where you weren't playing, and you know your life was probably consumed with um, Dan TDM uh, and doing all that? Did you still keep up with the game, or like tune into like major tournament streams at all, or play anything locally, or like? No, I, I completely checked out for ages. I, I like sold all my car my cards i was like i'm never gonna have time to play this again so or like for the foreseeable future of like at least a couple of years i was like no i'll just uh quit while i'm ahead and then i didn't even watch like the official streams. so while i was away all of that was building up too like when when we were watching the streams it was all like the top cut and people doing off their own backs um so coming back to official streams and more importantly stuff like limitless where you can just have the information right away that was super impressive but no i didn't i didn't keep up between um between those times no i had to go back and watch some old old worlds coverage <laughs> okay all right so then what what brought you back what made you want to 
play at UIC last year? What was like, or how long before UIC even happened that you decided that like, okay, I want to pick up the cards again? It was actually London Worlds. So I'd never been to Worlds. I only ever would have gone to Worlds if I qualified, but I just I was just never that good and didn't have enough time to to put into it. Um, but London Worlds happened to be like 30 minutes for me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. There was the cup as well. So I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to play, learn it. And since then, I've just been hooked, like probably even more so than before. I, like, I can't stop. There's just so much, there's so much <laughs> so stuff sick. out there now. We're watching videos every day. The amount of content that's out there, there's online tournaments all the time. It's just like, it's a whole new world now. Like before you had to just be in the right Facebook group and then you'd have to, you'd have the info and the list. But now you can, you can go straight in and get a, a regionals winning list the day after sometimes the same day and just start from there it's really impressive yeah i think definitely the i mean i haven't been playing as long as you guys have but even like since i started playing just the amount of knowledge like Mm. down round one and you expect your opponent to have like a really good deck right yeah that wasn't always the case you sit down round one and you're gonna see someone playing a modified theme deck back even in like 2015 (laughs) 2016 you know but now you sit down and they're just whoever won the last big tournament. There's a decent chance your opponent is playing that, which is pretty. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So it's it just just worlds being so close to me, and then EYC was at the same venue, and it's going to be the same venue again. So I just happened to have a really big tournament super close to me. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what it's like, <laughs> get back into it, and yeah, been hooked ever since. So going to that worlds in 2022 in London. I mean, you competed at uk nationals in the past Mm. what was that like for you walking into the room and just seeing like the stark difference between where the game was back then and then just what the production level of like you know the whole sit like that whole area the the uh, excel center right is just like decked out with pokemon stuff was that was that the first world since covid is that right it was yeah yeah so you kind of i kind of saw the production value of the previous worlds but that was maybe three years before mm-hmm, so when i walked into that um that hall and they had the stage up there the lights just like even just the quality of the stream and stuff watching from home um the day before i went i was just like this is unreal i think uk nationals with like 100 players max and that was the the biggest tournament of the year so yeah it blew my mind especially even just playing in the in the cup which is technically a side event it was huge you had to split it into two flights it was like i couldn't believe how big the game had, had grown it was it's nuts yeah definitely has come a come a long way so then did you uh so then you you went to london worlds and then was your plan to did you have any plan to like play the game immediately after that and or, or was it only when euic was coming around you're like okay now that there's this big event here there's no reason for me not to try and compete in it yeah pretty much that and i was like oh, if i i've got the grasp of the rules and like i've watched countless hours of like the live streams and stuff so i picked up the strategies what's supposed to be in certain decks what the best decks are and then like i said limitless and then getting into tcg live as well um i was able to practice without having to go to local events too which is the was super helpful and then, yeah, I think I set my sights on EUIC. Then I went to my locals after that. And I've tried to go to locals ever since, but it doesn't always work out. But since the London Cup, my bug for the in-person events was, I'd already call it. Because <laughs> as well, I'd only, I only practice for the Cup online. And it's weird only playing online and then playing yeah. in real life. 
I'm just like, I have to move these cards. <laughs> I have to move the cards around. I don't get prompted for anything. So I made plenty of mistakes, but that was certainly a learning curve going from purely online to, to real life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely is a little bit of a shock. So then yeah. that's you... true for like, I mean, even you, you know, having played before and then like getting back into it, like so, so many, so often people like at their first tournament, that's just what you hear is like, it didn't do this shuffle for me. I forgot I had to do X, Y, Z thing and stuff like that. The cards aren't glowing for me, so I don't know yeah, which one yeah, I'm allowed even to the play. Yeah, you like, can't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you ended up taking like EUIC pretty seriously, I guess I would say overall. I tried right? to, like, yeah. Yeah. You got you coaching. Got... Like I watched your video. Uh, you got coaching from like some of the best players in the game. Uh, yeah. To help you super lucky. Like I just had this idea for a video. It was like documentary style from going to like from where I came from before up to EUIC. I only had like three weeks as well. And then I reached out on Twitter and so many people replied. Like all these top players, like Rahul, loads of people that didn't eat, didn't get into the video either just because I didn't have time. But I ended up spending some time with Todd, um, James, the Ian. Like these people were top, top players. So I'm super grateful for their time. And I just thought it would make a really cool video to be able to see if these top players that do really well all the time could help steer me in the right direction for, for my comeback to the game. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate that they let you play Lost Tina in the end, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> you know, I, I really could not have played that. It was just like the most hyped deck. I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick something and stick with it for the yeah. three weeks. I thought that would be more beneficial rather than like flip-flopping between decks, but definitely should have flip-flopped. Yeah, yeah, at least flipped, at least on one flip off of Lost. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, so what was that experience like? Like, huge event, like, were the were the nerves back, were the jitters back? Uh, obviously, you didn't have, like, the, the best of runs that you could have hoped for, but uh, when you sat down and, like, played your first game in that atmosphere, in that environment, it was actually, like, a, it was really dark in that venue, too, if I remember. Um, I think so. I, like, I mean, even just the sheer size of that one compared yeah. to, I know it was in the same venue, but that one even felt like another level, especially when you're playing in it because worlds is obviously for worlds competitors this was yeah. at the time the biggest tournament like 1500 maybe yeah, I think the massive that's ever. like unheard of just the sea of people i remember looking up and just seeing how many tables there were <laughs> <laughs> how many like people's heads just playing pokemon just on tcg it was just yeah unreal fortunately i got paired against out of all those people i got paired against someone who i played against in uk nationals like 10 years prior it was oh, crazy oh, wow <laughs> out of all the people yeah so it was good like casual game i lost but we had a 40 minute it was against god of war so it was like a 40 minute first game and then we just didn't play the other ones there's no point yeah. um so it was good to have that to ease into but again going from only playing online to real life just adds that whole extra aspects to it you've got to do everything yourself, remember everything, remember contents for your deck, prizes. It's a it's a steep learning curve, but I feel like I warmed up by the time I was at the end. <laughs> but I, I got like, You were like ready to start the tournament over. You were like, yeah, all right, I'm cooking much. now. Yeah. Let's get in there. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we had the cup the day after because I kind of had the warm-up session and then, and then got into the cup the day after where I made a better choice of deck. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's not get carried away. He... <laughs> He played Arctina for this one as well. <laughs> oh, was, Arctina was solid back then. I, okay. I, 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 I wouldn't mind an Arctina. Yeah, yeah. But again, from, 
from like praising Limitless again, I just went on. So I saw that Arctina was doing well in Japan before prepping for EYC. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone just ignored it, or pretty much everyone just ignored it. I was like, oh, I should have, that in hindsight, just picked that up. So I went on to Limitless, saw, I think it was Sammy, actually. Sammy Sukum's list was like, yeah. I think it came 15th. Mm-hmm. I took that, um, sleeved it up, and I played zero games with it and just went straight into the, the cup. Um, I think I started 3-1 as well, 3-0-1. And then it just started to, the wheels came off after that. <laughs> what I don't think people realize is how intense playing that much Pokemon in a row is. Yeah. When I got to like round five, I mean, even round three with the loss zone, I was like, my brain just, it, like, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to keep track of, especially for the loss zone. So like playing, like hats off to you guys who go all the way through two days, all the way to like the top cuts, top eights, top fours and finals. That's... That takes stamina, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that is definitely uh, the, like for people who have, haven't been to their first tournament yet. Once they realize how much Pokemon they're playing and how much yes. harder they're trying to think, right? Because they're trying to win. You play mm-hmm. a game on PTCG Live Ladder, you make a couple mistakes. You're like, this is fine. You don't thoroughly check your prize cards. Who cares, right? But then when you're like, sit down, you're like, well, I don't want to misplay here. I don't want to mess up. Mm-hmm. So you're like trying to put that extra effort in, and then doing that game after game, round after round, definitely adds up. Um, it's definitely something like getting through that first experience of it definitely makes a definitely makes a big difference especially like to back in the day like my first regionals in the masters division seven rounds best of one like (laughs) it was like Mm. no not that not that much time at all but now you're doing nine rounds best two out of three uh the wait times between rounds are longer than they used to be as well like it's uh you're committing like a very much a full day of of thinking to the to the to the tournament for sure yeah yeah definitely no, yeah, I had cool. I had tons of fun, and then I wish I played the cup out more actually, because I did. I mean, I think we went three one one, then three two ones, so three wins, two losses, and a tie. I should have carried on playing, but I dropped out to see my kids before they went to sleep. But I kind of wish I played it out more because if you win out, you can still get quite high in the rankings, get some CP from yeah. from a cup. So getting used to that kind of thing as well was was a lot to learn um also just like the experience of like tournament gameplay as well is yeah to help carry you into the next one even if you're like eliminated from points or anything it just like can be good to have that for sure yeah definitely i think just meeting the people as well is another thing i forgot how how fun meeting like getting paired against a random person especially at that size of a tournament getting paired against just a random person who both hopefully love the game um you get to meet so many cool people like that was the best part about it. Everyone's there for the same reason. They love the game. They love talking about it, uh, playing it. It's uh, that was what really got me back into it. Cause then I went to a locals the weekend after. So I was like, I need to keep playing <laughs> in person. This is so much fun. So I went to my locals after for the first time. Everyone was super friendly, even though they all knew each other. And I was like the new person coming in. Everyone was super welcoming. And you just have this shared love of the same thing. Have that in a that many people in such a large room was just really cool yeah yeah one of the main things that keeps a lot of pokemon players yeah in the playing pokemon is the community for sure whether it be like the yeah. gc or the tcg um definitely definitely the community is what keeps everyone coming back for for a lot of re- or that's one of the main reasons that keeps people coming back mm-hmm. um did so you have any playing... like uh anyone you played against at any of these big tournaments <clears throat> sit down and like do like a weird like double take like 
are you who I, <laughs> who I think you are? Like any of that? Yeah, I had a couple at the cup and they were like, wait, because my name's obviously on the slip. And they're like, wait, are you? Someone actually said, are you Pokemon Dan? I was like, wait. Oh, that's so <laughs> that caught me off guard. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, I had that a couple of times, but again, everyone's just super friendly. They're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> the first time before I, before that video came out, and I was just at the uh, London was like, why are you here? What's going on? Because so many people didn't know about the original channel. Um, so that was fun. That was funny. <laughs> What is the the future like for you in the Pokemon TCG? Are you trying to get your world's invite this season, next season? Are you going to ramp up towards that? Are you just going to play at like EUIC when it comes around, cups and challenges? What's uh, what's your plan moving uh, forward? Probably, I mean, before the CP change, I was like, oh, maybe I could go to Worlds without having to like do all the American, the big American tournaments and stuff. But since the CP change, I just don't think that is, that is not a viable option for me, but I will still make it to as much as I can. Like locals is super fun. Um, EYC again is in the same venue. So I'll, if I can get registered, I'll be going. <laughs> that is going to be the biggest issue. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm not used to that as being the first hurdle, but yeah. if I can make it there, I'll definitely want to play uh, EYC for sure. Have you been to any of the European regionals or special events so far up to this point or? Uh, no, I haven't managed to make no. it to those yet. Okay, okay. That is kind of the, one of the hardest parts. Like, obviously, you know, you're busy with, I mean, you've got YouTube stuff, you've got a family and stuff now. Like, the time away, I think, is the hardest part for a lot of people to try yeah. to keep up yeah. and stay with the game and stuff. Especially, yeah, especially like, if, to compete at the higher level, at least. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Especially if you want to chase that invite, you need to be going to multiple different regionals in the U.S., probably, because it's easier to get to from like the NAICs, you probably want to be going to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot more of a time commitment than it used to be, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Things have definitely changed. I guess like, I guess what I mean, with the one change they made this year, you could just win a regional, you could go to one regional, oh, one yeah. tournament, win it, and then <laughs> just, top two, just make the finals of EUIC, get your invite, you're good to go. I mean, that's the um, plan. I mean, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Your opportunities there. Just gotta. The first step is registering, of course. Um, yeah. That's like the first hurdle for everyone. Get through the hard bit, and then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so that's cool to hear for sure. I mean, it definitely sounds like you're keeping up with the game, like you know, and uh, yeah. the new cards and still playing with everything. So that's cool to hear. And then gonna be competing when you can. Yeah, the online and uh, the like official streams and stuff. It's so easy to keep up with stuff now. So yeah, I've been trying. I just I tried out the the new set yesterday feels like we're getting a bit faster which i'm not sure about <laughs> tried out the yep. roaring moon and what's the other one? Oh, the valiant yeah <laughs> you get any badoof stonked yet a hundred percent yeah even more pecos <laughs> when i was playing the uh oh no roaring moon. my first game i got like taken out by this i was like what is going on here <laughs> dan's excited to play with the new cards for the first time doesn't even get a turn it was, it was exactly that so i played against the valiant first got donked and then the second one i got yoga looped and by the end of their second turn they had 10 cards left in their deck i'm like what, what's going on <laughs> i thought we were going to stage like a slower stage two, but we'll see <laughs> Yeah, things got, it seemed like they're pretty, a lot of people choosing to go second now too. People choosing to go second, they're trying to be the first yeah. person to attack mm -hmm. and things have, things have definitely, this set has definitely changed a lot. Um, yeah, I don't mind it so far. A little bit less lost box doesn't hurt. More Playing more true. games, yeah, true. less really long turns. 
there'll be probably a lot less ties at LAIC I'm predicting. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, less ties moving forwards for sure. Well, one thing I wanted to ask too, I mean, we've kind of gotten away from the YouTube side of stuff and we've talked mm -hmm. mostly about Pokemon, but one thing I, uh, I actually had a friend, a friend of uh, Azul and mine, Alex Hill, you know, he was someone who's played the game for a long, long time. And uh, I remember I'm in like a group chat with him and I remember whenever you said you were playing at EUIC, he was like, guys, Pokemon Dan is playing at EUIC. <laughs> He's like an OG fan. And so I asked yeah, him cool. when we had this lined up, I was like, if there was something you could ask Dan, you know, Pokemon Dan, what, what's something that you would maybe want to hear from him? And one of the things he was curious about was like, what's something that you learned from the Pokemon YouTube channel that helped you like find a lot of success later on once you moved on to the Dan TDM? Um, probably like b most boringly, probably like all the technical stuff, like how to edit. So I started in my first videos were in PowerPoint because it was like a, it was kind of like a, um, it was like a presentation, like setting out a deck list you could export as a, a movie if you timed everything correctly. So I started in PowerPoint, then moved on to Ve Sony Vegas, then Premiere. And I just spent all that time on the Pokemon channel learning how to do YouTube basically. So when I went to the, what is now my main channel, but started as the second channel, I had all those skills ready to go. So I didn't have I like all my like bad videos out the way already. So yeah, it, it helped with technically being able to just learn how to do things. So I didn't go and study it at school or uni or anything. I just, just learned it through doing the Pokemon stuff. So that's probably what helped me the most for sure. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Azul, you got anything else on this section? If not, we can move on to one of the reasons we brought you on was to talk about kind of an exciting project. Azul, you got anything else? Yes. No, yeah, we can go ahead and jump into it. Yeah, so you put this out on Twitter a few months ago. I guess like maybe we could start with what kind of prompted this, but for anyone who doesn't know, uh, back in, what was this, in June, you tweeted out and said, does anyone that follows me know how or what it would take to create an in-browser Pokemon TCG sim like the one on Limitless, but with two players, or what play TCG underscore me was back in the day? Basically what Yu-Gi-Oh! has with Dueling Book for Pokemon. I want mm -hmm. to make it slash fund it, let me know. Where did this come from? This came from, there were some troubles with playing online efficiently. So I remember back in the day, PTCGO, rest in peace, was available, but people would still play on PlayTCG just because you had all the cards ready to go. It was way quicker as well. You could like start games, restart games. Um, you could keep track of everything. You could take your time. It was just a really good tool rather than a game, like um, live and, yeah, that's it, <laughs> 11 years ago. So it's not the best looking thing, but it's so functional. Everyone used it. This was to the point where you, like, like they're, they're playing, what are they playing there? I'm trying to figure out what card it is. But you had to physically drag every card yeah. from your deck and sort it out, shuffle it. But people used to use it because it was so efficient as a way of testing you'd get the ability to play with new cards early as well which is a big thing i think when things are announced in japan and we get them later there's no way to play with them and test them online so i thought hey why don't we basically rebirth play tcg uh and see if that's of interest to people and it turns out it is <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and it's something that kind of exists today. You talked about Limitless Tabletop in yeah. what you mentioned as well here. Um, and a lot of people do, I think, use this still because, like you said, you can play with the new cards early and you can mm -hmm. kind of just play a little bit quicker than on live. Also, live, of course, is got its own series of problems that, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast before has definitely heard Azul and I give our fair share of opinions <laughs> on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty common that people, when testing, will just use this and you know screen share with two people back and forth so it sounds like yeah. you're trying to like you, you were your hope was to have something similar to this more similar to play tc me g me back in the day where um, yeah you could see your opponent's table you don't have to like screen share or whatever anything like that yeah because i think at the time a lot of people were using the two screen limitless with sharing a screen on discord it was a really strange way to do it but people were still preferring to do that because it was easier and quicker to do so I thought, hey, why don't we try and make that? Because people obviously will use it. And I think as well, I was talking, because I had the coaching for EYC. People, I'm, there's this whole world of coaching now where I think there's a tool that could be made like Play TCG, um, which would be useful for that space too. So we thought, hey, let's see if I'll reach out and see if anyone knows how to do it. But it turns out people know how to do that and are fans of the game too. So that that helped. So I was expecting just to have to explain it to developers that followed me, for example, <laughs> where it turns out the Pokemon community has a, a fair amount of developers there already. So, Yeah, and then just a few weeks after this tweet, there was another tweet mm -hmm. put out, Twinleaf GG announcing this project. Twinleaf coming yes. soon, a TCG simulator made by fans for the fans. And yeah, so I mean, this is one of the things we wanted to bring you on and talk about today was just what's kind of going on with this project where are things at and kind of what is the i guess the future plan for what's happening here so at the minute we're at the point where we have it's kind of been split into two so there's the automate the manual version and an automated version so manual is obviously easier to make because it's all player inputs kind of like play tcg but with a little bit more automation than that. Like you can set up a game, you can search the deck easier, shuffle it easier. So there's that side of the project. And then there's the other side, which is fully automated. So you can play a research, you'll discard your hand and draw seven, that kind of thing. So there's two sides to it. Uh, what we want this to be is less of a game, more of a tool. So you can use it for coaching, you can We'd love to have, I, I sh we sent you some clips actually, it might be easier to explain yeah, sure. if I show you it. I'll pull them up. <clears throat> so if you go to, this is deck builder, we'd love to have it so that you can kind of like in limitless, you can import and then just, we want you to be able to go from list to game super fast. Like this is all about speed and convenience. For sure. I've got a few more clips here, just getting mm -hmm. them sorted. How like um <clears throat> how hands on are you with like keeping up to date with everything that's happening and looking at new things we can put together or putting out your own suggestions and ideas of things you think should be in the game because you're a player so you have some idea of like yeah what you want to be in a simulator to be playing the game so how hands on are are you? I try to be as much as possible. I I don't have the technical know how so most yeah. of that is what has been happening without me because I just don't have what it takes to create something like this you're seeing on the screen but like you can see on here 
we love having things like the messages on the right hand side where game log is pretty important what happened <laughs> yeah go through what happened we'd love to turn that into a replay feature as well so you could have this crazy game or someone who's coaching someone else can take a game that they've played and send it to someone you can rewatch it pause it roll back the plays stuff like that um other ideas are using it for uh, uh, GLC, like the Gym Leader Challenge formats, so custom formats, old formats, future formats. So if a card gets announced, then you can just have it in the game and be able to kind of play with it straight away. I'll explain as well, the images aren't on here because obviously legally we can't use the images. There'll be a way to put the images in it, but that's up to the players to find out how to do that. <laughs> um but as you can see, the functionality is there without the images. As it, you can still technically play it like this, but it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, that's definitely something we wanted to ask about too, because I think that's something a lot of people have questions about. Is kind of like, yeah. how could this, you know, exist? You know, Pokemon has their game that they produce and make and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've kind of said as well, like this isn't a game; this is more of a tool, right? So, like, what are kind of some of the things behind the scenes that are going on to? to make this thing be able to happen? So the biggest, um, the biggest issue we've had is the legal side. Because obviously I work with Pokemon already. They, I've worked on them for their games, for TCG before. So they know of me. So when I announced this, um, they got in contact. So legally behind the scenes, there's been backwards and forwards, which has sucked a lot of time away from being able to announce stuff. So this is as far as we've got with announcing something. And obviously we don't want to, we don't want to replace live or compete with that. We want to provide something that has a different functionality. Like I said, this needs to be, this is a tool, not a game. This is how we can test super easy. This is for the, I don't know, like top 10% of players. We have people that want to take this game super seriously, do coaching, um, but also do the fun stuff too. Like, I always think when someone proposes something online, like, I don't know, a new mulligan system where you draw 12 cards at the start of the game, choose seven and put the rest back in. It'd be cool to just have like a format, a tournament run in that format and see if it actually works. I think that'd be fun. But then something like this, that's way more sandbox style, you'll be able to do that. Or having... I saw a suggestion once where you could have instead of prize cards, you'd have prize tokens. So you still need to take prize cards, but they're in your deck, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you like take six points rather than six physical prize cards. I think that could be a fun thing to do as well. Do you like custom formats, try out things that the Pokemon community have ideas around for the game and see if they actually work, or whether it's just just theory. That would be a cool thing to do with the program. Like I said, GLC is massive, so I think they're gonna love this. Um, yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of things behind the scenes to make it happen, and hopefully, we'll have something to show you soon. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Not trying to, not trying to step on any toes. It sounds like for sure, and you're trying to just keep. Oh yeah, we, we don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're trying to keep it. Just you just want a new way for people who like playing the Pokemon TCG to flexibly play the Pokemon TCG as flexibly as you possibly can, right? Just to, yeah. be able to do anything. Um, so like anything you could do with physical cards, but you know, not everyone has the the time or or people to play with constantly physically. So being able to do anything you could do with physical cards, you know, do that online in the tool that is uh, that is Twin Leaf. Yeah, exactly. It's just a super fast, efficient way to play. 
and get the most out of your time for testing rather than um, taking all the fancy stuff out and having all the practical stuff in. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I mean that sounds really cool. That sounds like a, a great a great place for it to be headed, and definitely sounds like oh well. Hopefully, it is it is is feasible. You know, moving forward, and there's not yeah any problems in it, and it happens. You know, in the future. Uh, or it, or it comes out very cleanly in the future, I guess I should say. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I was, the one thing that people always reference with this when, like, people were talking about, you know, this versus PDCG Live, how does Pokemon feel about that? And the people are like, well, Showdown exists for the VGC, and it's existed for yes. forever. So, like... And I would know, argue that has more uh, yep. IP issues <laughs> oh, yeah, than, yeah. <laughs> than ours. <laughs> yeah, they've got a lot. I feel like maybe this, like, there would be scared of the community backlash because it would be pretty big <laughs> part of me feels like that's a, a big part of why showdown is is out here still mm. yeah but i don't know obviously just speculation for sure and like showdown's a good example actually like this is stripping everything back you can just paste the team straight in rather than like you could do this in the game like the actual switch game but it will take you so much longer whereas people yeah. just want to find out if something works and use it straight away if it doesn't work scrap it and move on to the next thing and that was kind of the inspiration behind it as well. Like Pokemon Showdown does what we would love to do, but in the TCG world instead. And I think as well from the clips we've shown, that's the most we've, well, we've shown nothing to this date. So that hopefully will put some, just a better idea behind, will give people a better idea of what it's going to look like and how it's going to operate, hopefully. Is there a timeline, uh, at least like a goal of a timeline for like maybe a roadmap of, you know, it sounds like you've got two versions, right? Of yeah. when so, one or the other may come first or what manual will definitely come first just because there's way less work involved in that. With automated, you literally have to create a system where you can add new cards and have them interact in a way that, that works, but that involves going over every single card basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we want to do stuff like GLC automated, that's, that's every single card. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or like retro, retro formats. formats and then you have yeah. like different rules depending on what year people exactly. are playing and stuff as well and the weirdest interactions sometimes between cards the super new and then super old so manual will definitely come first and to be honest i think people will use that too like even though you have to do stuff manually with shortcuts and stuff you can get it working really really quickly i think we're almost there when we'll get into the point where like the technical side comes in for hosting servers making sure it works because you want to launch something and then it like breaks day one that would be awful so we're close we're close close. (laughs) sure uh is there plans for any sort of like you know we've compared it to showdown already any sort of like uh ranking type system you know to queue into random players as well or do you have to queue like for even like the manual Mm -hmm. thing queue into you know, specific people that you already are planning to work with? We would love to. I just, again, would not want to step on any toes. I think having a rank system would be really cool. That would involve a lot of work to get that to work and make sure it would have to not be on the manual sim, basically. It'd have to be on automated. Otherwise, you've got a whole load of other issues. Yeah. With <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. The, state of the yeah. game and stuff. But um, we also don't want to step on any toes. If If live is the place to do that, then live's the place to do that. And then twin leafs the way you do it with just with friends and and coaching buddies but we'd love to but we'll see we'll see if we can make it work yeah definitely as like someone who is i do coach in the game and stuff like that so this is like the the idea of a 
Um, and I've used, you know, the the limitless uh, tabletop simulator a couple times for that. Um, but definitely the idea of, you know, having something like the Twin Leaf and like how it expands on that and would have more um, more flexibility uh, and um, just kind of ease of use for like getting two people on the same board. Um, yeah. I'm definitely personally excited for that as someone who does coach in the game. Cool. That, that sounds good. And I think as well having like unlimited timers it's just something as simple as that (laughs) (laughs) would be great i coach currently a few kids and i do not use tcg live for it because Mm. of the time specifically because of the timer yeah Uh, because sometimes we will spend five minutes talking about one Mm. opening hand and like how to navigate the entire turn and you just cannot do that on tcg Mm -hmm. live and as well when it comes to like we never want it to be this versus TCG Live. Like if they, if we launch Twin Leaf, it has good ideas and then they're proven to be good ones that the players enjoy. If that then gets added to live and then we become redundant, then that's cool. <laughs> we've we've kind of done what, uh, that that's fine. That's that's exactly what we'd we'd love to happen uh, to yeah. improve on what the players want, basically. But um, yeah, I think something like this tailored for more coaches, like being able to undo plays or mm-hmm. rewind even like two turns ago, so you can re like play out a different scenario would be would be so cool. Yeah, and be replay feature for sure is one I'm really excited about. Yeah, really cool. I mean, yeah, it sounds like uh, you know you've kind of got a good plan as far as like how to navigate it. I mean, it's obviously like there's some, you know, we talked about the legal stuff a little bit. There's like yeah. some steps that have to be taken to make it happen, but it sounds like, you know, you've all those things have been looked at very carefully <laughs> already. Yeah. We're trying our best. We want to, we want to grow the game. Like we said, not step on toes. We want to help to grow the game and make it even bigger than even though it's huge now, just have it more accessible to more people be, would be awesome. That's super cool here. I'm sure a lot of people are excited for. I think one thing people are missing right now on PDCG Live is old formats and like yeah, yeah GLC players specifically. I don't really have anywhere to like yeah. play GLC right now. It's like a big thing for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm sure a lot of people are excited for that to have like a really nice clean simulator to like play the, the retro stuff. I don't know where people are playing right. They're still. I know Jason sometimes has one. like retro tournament on one. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, TCG it's still one. on TCG one. Man, oh, I can't yeah. playing on TCG one. It's like playing Pokemon on an Excel sheet. <laughs> <laughs> but it that works way, you know what they're trying to that, do. hopefully <laughs> yeah sure. but as well i think yeah going back to old formats and i mentioned going forwards as well so we get these cards maybe whenever japan gets them before us it used to be a few months but now it's probably like a month or so when one's released you can just with the manual one more specifically because it's all player controlled um you can just put that straight into the game and you have it ready to go pretty much from when it's announced so i think that'd be cool as well yeah definitely cool well um you know as we finish talking about it is there any like you know a lot of people obviously are excited about this you know looking forward to its eventual release you know those people in the community who are looking forward to playing with this is there anything you would want to say to to people as they wait for it um i would say Thanks for your patience. <laughs> I know it's been a while, but we had definitely some roadblocks that took a couple months probably to, to sort out before we even started. Like we, we started pause development while we sorted out the, the important stuff and then started again more recently. So there's been a big gap where we pretty much haven't been able to do anything. So 
thanks to your patience, it will be really cool. And I hope some of the ideas that I've laid out today, like the custom rules, we'd love to have like some tournaments on this thing as well. Maybe even like an invitational to, to test it with players like yourselves um, would be great. So yeah, exciting things. You have some good plans for it. And hopefully it all comes together. But yeah, the support for it in general just from the announcement was crazy. So thank you. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we're super excited to see where it goes. And I'm sure many people as well are really, really looking forward to it. Cool. We need to take a second here real quick to give a huge thanks to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Of course, Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and so so much more you shout out to them i just got the restock uh heading into the rest of the season and specifically i guess for laic so all set all ready to go but ready to be rocking dragon shields for the rest of the season um yeah and shout out to them as always you can always check them out at uh, dragonshield dot uh uh dot com slash us eu nope. or us nope. dot slash web shop, web shop. Yeah. Slash, slash web shop <laughs> bro <laughs> us or EU, depending where you're located um and of course they're available literally everywhere else local game stores big box retailers you can find them literally anywhere shout out to dragon Shield as always for sure yeah thanks a bunch for their continued support and uh now you know before we get you out of here <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode of the uncommon energy podcast if we didn't have Guess that flavor text. Of course, the segment each week where either Azul or I will pick a card, read off the flavor text from it, and have the other host try to guess what that card is. But with a special guest this week, Azul and I have picked out a card for you. Oh, okay. Guess, Dan. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. We've had two other guests in the past. Andrew Mahone got zero points. Joe oh, really? Bernard got like... two points. Joe Bernard oh, okay. got two points. So we'll see if you can beat that. No uh, pressure. So the way it works as well for anyone listening, uh, we pick the card, read the flavor text, and then uh, whoever's guessing gets the opportunity to guess what that Pokemon is. And if you get it right without using any lifelines, you get four points. And then we have three different lifelines you can use. And for each lifeline you do choose to use, you lose a point. And the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. Going into it, Dan, is there any lifeline that you feel like would be more or less helpful to you potentially? I know Azul always talks about how the set is like totally I was just about to say, the set would be a useless one for me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would not offer anything. I think attack's probably going to be a good one, but sometimes when I've watched episodes of yours, the attack does not help. It does the opposite. So who knows? Let's see. <laughs> Hopefully it's not from uh, the the gap that I took. Right, we'll go ahead and give it to him. All right. <clears throat> Flavor text is the antenna on its head captures radio waves from the world of spirits that command it to take people there. To take people to the spirit world. <laughs> wow. Okay. Antenna is a good one. A good clue. Antenna. Pokemon gets think... a lot darker when you read the flavor text. Like... Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you said antenna, I thought bug, but then taking you to the spirit world, it's more ghost. Two are coming to mind. I've got Ledian. I'm pretty sure it has antenna. And Venonat. 
definitely has antenna. Pull the lifelines again. There's a tech name. Yeah. Set. set the card is from what stage the card is. So basic stage one, stage two. And okay. Read an attack name. Let's go. I'm going to have to use lifeline for sure. The stage. It is a stage two. <laughs> it is. Oh. <laughs> It is a stage two. I'm pretty. Is Lydia Surprise. stage two? Lydia and Venonat are not stage twos. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a stage two of antenna. I'm trying to think of what ghost Pokemon has an antenna. This is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Yeah. I was convinced Sledium was a stage two. <laughs> yeah, a lifeline and a half right there okay let's go for attack name it has one attack which is hard feelings <laughs> hard feelings um i didn't oh, even realize how old of a pokemon ledian was i thought that was a newer pokemon is no, it like gold old. silver? Yeah, it's the second generation. Yeah, sheesh. Azul just knows nothing about Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> At the minute, I'm in the same space. Um, <laughs> antenna to the Shadow Realm. We we can give one more hint that I think might help you out a little bit, or at least narrow it down a little bit for you. That's not okay. like a technical lifeline. Um, in the time frame that you like started competing, this was like a pretty good card. Oh. <laughs> oh wait, I'm gonna say Gothitel mm. is coming to mind. Does it? It has something on its head. Something. We're locking it in. That's the only one I can think of that would have some kind of ability to send you off the earth into the shadow realm uh i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna have to lock in gothitel it is it's... not gothitel, no! but honestly super solid guess super solid guess yeah the antenna yeah. is definitely a little bit of bait with this one i would say is i don't it? really oh, no. think of this pokemon with with antenna we'll give the last lifeline for anyone else who's listening who's trying to guess it is from diamond and pearl base set in the pokemon it's not like oxy azel for it's not those, it? no not it's it like one is... of the best tech cards of like all time oh, i guess stage two isn't it yeah it is dust Dustnor. man this i don't know how it's this thing so is considered to have an antenna card. well if you look at other images it's like the yellow disc on its head i was like i was like i was thinking about it too so i was like looking at other images of Dustnor, and there's like yeah, the little the the thing on its head. I guess oh, that's that. an antenna. Yeah, <laughs> it's antenna. Yeah, that, I wouldn't consider that an antenna. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah. Oh, that's that's a cool card. Didn't have a level X as well. It did. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a kind of absurd level X too. It, like didn't have any attacks, but it like became a stadium when it was knocked out. Yeah. Yeah, for anyone who yeah. doesn't know what the Dustnord does, it had the, the Dark Palm ability, and it put one of your opponent's Pokemon on their bench back into their deck if they had more than three. Um, it was like, yeah, probably one of the best, like, 101 tech cards, stage two tech cards, like, ever. 
in the in the Pokemon TCG. Yeah, and back at this time as well, you could rare candy a Pokemon the turn it came into play. Yeah. So people yes, would bench Duskull, rare candy Dusknoir, pop something back into your opponent's deck. Insanely strong card. I completely yeah. forgot you could do that. I remember there was broken time space where you could just be like basic stage one, stage two. Mm-hmm. Completely forgot you could rare candy straight away as well. The card we had thought about giving you, but we decided not to because we thought it would be too easy. Let me, why don't I, can I just, let me just read it to him real quick. Yeah, actually. flavor we'll text see. that one, yeah. I think it might be too easy, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, I just got to pull it back up to read it. All right, this one, it has the world's largest petals. With every step, the petals shake out heavy clouds of toxic pollen. Vile plume. It's vile yeah. Bloom. <laughs> a little too easy and specifically the oh, vile Bloom from undaunted man. we wanted to do this one because oh. this would be a little bit of callback to your first episode of poke class oh really it was about this card <laughs> but it was a little too easy <laughs> oh, yeah. whenever anyone would bench an oddish i'll just like shudder a little bit what a card what a card. i also love the the borders they put on those too because it's like the faded yellow yeah, that was a great time for Pokemon. Though. Those were actually, yeah. The speaking, of that, the, I mean, yes, Cargo Soul Silver is some of my favorite artworks of cards in general, and the borders are definitely have to do with that. The harsh, the hard, harsh yellow is definitely not it. It's thankful that we have the silver borders now. For yeah, sure. <laughs> and the um the legend cards were insane. Oh yeah, the two part ones. Oh yeah, legends were definitely dope cool time in the game's history for sure well dan it has been an absolute blast to have you on and we really appreciate you kind of giving us a walk through your pokemon life but also kind of the upcoming project and your upcoming plans it's been a great joy to have you my friend thank you so much yeah i really appreciate you inviting me on giving me the platform to talk about twin leaf but also just cool to be on something that i watch as well so <laughs> thank you Huge, huge, huge thanks to Dan for coming on, for taking some time to chat with me and Azul. It was definitely great to hear about some of the upcoming projects he's got with the Twin Leaf stuff. It was cool to hear about some of his background in the game. Definitely neat to hear that. Someone who started with the Pokemon TCG, but then, you know, obviously went on to like crazy, crazy levels of success with the YouTube space. And yeah, seeing that he's still committed to the game still loves it uh what he said at some point right that he's more into it now than he feels like he was back then so that's pretty cool yeah. right yeah no, definitely it's good talking to him um it's definitely uh, interesting it always feels like kind of like a little bit surreal that like someone as big as dan played the pokemon tcg or plays the pokemon tcg i guess i should say still yeah. um and uh yeah i'm really excited for everything everything twin leaf X, especially after having that discussion i was a little bit like a little bit more uncertain as to uh what it was going to be um and how possible everything was going to be but now i'm definitely after you know talking to dan i'm a little bit more reassured that's going to happen it's going to be very useful for sure yeah for sure i was having some of those same thoughts so (laughs) it definitely feels cool to uh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing it come out hopefully soon and uh let it be a tool that plenty of people can utilize to practice and get more games in whatever it may be looking forward to it um yeah well azul let's move on to paradox rift our thoughts on the new set current meta and you know we got a a pretty big tournament coming up here soon so um omni joe joe bernard actually compiled uh some data from the first week of online events the championship points that they would have earned for tournaments with 90 plus players i assume this is like league cup numbers 
I'm right? curious as to like I see Joe put out these numbers. I assume that's what it has to be. It has to be just comparable to the size of the tournament that happened, right? Um, so League Cup numbers make sense. That sounds like an a uh, maybe it's not as much work as I think it is, but I mean, just like yeah, props to Joe for dude. You know, Joe wanting is to do committed, that. man. <laughs> Joe is committed to the numbers. He's committed to the game. He's always one of the first people who I see doing like future format stuff. Like he's always yeah super ahead of the game. Like as far as uh, testing lists and stuff, right? As well, like he puts in the work to like actually you know like he tweeted out a few weeks ago right like <laughs> he's putting in the time you can tell the people who uh test their lists right before just putting out lists right and joe's definitely someone who's in their grinding games he's doing the dirty work yeah yeah definitely 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 yeah for sure puts in puts in the uh the work for sure and puts in the effort and yeah like i mean doing something like this like i would never you won't catch me ever doing something like this that joe does <laughs> putting together yeah, like never looking out of those. an excel sheet no i actually haven't yeah so uh <laughs> but it's cool to see someone you know in the community going out of their way to to get it done and and put in that effort so that's pretty cool to see and it, it gives us something to work off of initially right um which is that uh roaring moon maybe not the it's one of the most popular decks i think in the the early week or this first week of play um and it also is one of the most successful as well. Um, I think that probably has to do with its a little bit with its popularity and most it's like popular literally, by far, by the way. 293 yeah. of tournaments in this format so far. 293 people have chosen to play Roaring Moon. Next closest deck, Chien Pao Backscalibur at 128. Yeah. That's massive. massive. That's a, a huge difference between the first and second place deck. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people just like picked it up though. Like everyone was just like, I'm gonna play this deck, you know? Um that's what it seems like anyways everyone was just like down to pick it up and start playing with it yeah um, i mean i think it's like a very approachable deck right it's got a pretty yeah. linear game plan you get a roaring moon set up you attack with it you ko whatever your opponent has in the active <laughs> and just go from there uh go second even get the turn one attack yeah. off and it's also like you know roaring moon's a cool pokemon the deck is pretty cool. straightforward to play it's definitely fun as well that's a big factor like the sequencing aspect to it uh, and then leading to just a turn one knockout. Like, that's pretty cool to be able to do. I think all those things combined. And then also, like you mentioned as well earlier, the free deck that you get when you start the battle pass for this uh, this month on TCG Live. So it's just, like, been what most people have gravitated to first. And that doesn't necessarily mean it is the strongest, but at least for now, it's being the most played. And then also, you know, as far as these rankings are concerned from what Joe was able to compile, it has been the most successful. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't overly read into like it's it's success over, um, I mean like the next uh, yeah, I wouldn't read over read into a success too much. That's for sure. That's for sure. Because I already feel like it's died off pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, in terms of results, like it's still up there. You know, it's pushing for the top eight. It's pretty consistently in online tournaments that I look at, but it's not like the seemingly dominant force that it looked like initially, for sure. Um. And uh, I guess, like, talking about, like, the, the second most popular deck or the second most successful deck, Lost Tina. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think Lost Tina got a lot better with Countercatcher for sure. I think sure. it got a, so many more big plays to be made um, so much more consistently, it feels like, as well. Because, like, to be honest, Boss's Orders was never felt like a very good card in Lost Tina. Like, it was a card that I considered trying to, like, cut at one point in Lost Tina. I was like, what if you just played no Boss's Orders? The card sucks in here. Um, and that's what I think probably like sparked the idea to like have the cross switcher builds and stuff that people were uh, 
trying out, which uh, kind of makes sense because it's like, yeah, boss is so bad and so slow. But when you can combo like the cross switchers with the Roxanne, then you're like making some real plays happen. But now it's just that much easier with counter catcher, right? Play two or three counter catchers. I don't even know if you play boss's orders anymore. I probably wouldn't, to be honest, in Lost Tina, just counter catchers. Um, and then, yeah, I could see Lost Tina actually being like a real consistent contender, actually, this format. It feels like it definitely um, maybe has finally gotten that upgrade it needs to really push to be a consistent top deck in the format where it's feel like it's had its moments in the past and it's had that's like pushes like it was the most popular deck at the beginning of the format last format and then it just yeah. like went from like 16 percent i think at pittsburgh to six percent towards the end of the format right um and it did have its couple top eights throughout the uh the format as well you had like uh, conti with the top eight uh bradner got ninth at pittsburgh i believe and there was someone else who got top with the eight with it at that tournament so like it had its moments but it never felt like a true consistent contender at all i think it might be there yeah, and I think part of the reason that people um, are gravitating back towards Tina as well right now is that it is the best way to play the Lost Zone engine at the moment. Like, Lost Box like is kind of in a little bit of a funk right now. Iron Hands is pretty dang good against, like, the Turbo Lost Box builds that we were seeing, or even just the less Turbo, but just, like, the consistent straight Lost Box builds, like what uh, Jack Carter played and got second with in Peoria. Um Hands is just too much, really, for that deck to deal with, honestly. You just jump ahead in the prize trade right away, and then you stay ahead in it. So I think that a part of this as well is that Tina is now the best way to utilize the Lost Zone engine because you can withstand the Iron Hands a little bit, right? Yeah, you can kind of you know, clap back against it or whatever you want to call it. And then, like, Lost Tina has always felt like, to me, that it's had, like, a good uh, Chi and Pow matchup, and that's, like, the number one deck that has, like, had the the hands in it. Um, it feels like that's, like, the, the number one way to go with the hands. So um, there's that as well. And yeah, you can do like weird plays now where you like, can you, you can like counter catcher up their back Excalibur and then like, like Sableye the, the B barrel while you rock sand them and like do powerful plays like that now, which is really, really cool. Um, and it definitely feels like, yeah, the rest of the lost box decks, like feel like they've been struggling against the hands, but like Sable's art actually has been like making waves recently, which I didn't really notice at all. Cause I haven't been paying that much attention to the online tournaments. Um, so I'd see like the Roaring Moon sticky now and Lost Tino is getting more popular. Uh, but apparently Sable's Art is like the way to play Lost Zone right now if you're not playing Lost Tina. And yeah, I don't know how but nine eight zero <laughs> won a pretty decent sized tournament with a Sable's Art deck. Um I don't get like I mean Iron Hands really isn't that popular, to be honest. Like it's in the Chi and Pow deck, which I think actually might be the best deck in the format. I'm like not committed to that opinion yet, but like it's felt the best out of everything I played. Um, and it feels like the deck's got the deck got more consistent with the release of Iron Hands because I've been cutting the canceling cologne and the cross switchers, like cut all that. She or having the, the iron hands alongside the other options you already currently have feels like more than enough to to close out games and have enough options throughout a game. Um, so yeah, I mean maybe I mean, yeah, and then besides that, Iron Hands is like in Maridon, but that's it. There's like two two lawn zone decks or, and a or little two, bit two decks. Yeah, right. Yeah. A little bit in Lugay as well, I guess, for sure. Um, but yeah, the Sable's Art is like, yeah, it feels like to me definitely kind of coming out of nowhere. I did not expect Sable's Art to all of a sudden be the go-to Lost Zone deck. Um, especially a build like this with like four Mirage Gate with no Greninja. Yeah, that just feels like uh, Mirage Gate in non-Greninja builds has always felt really, really awkward just because you don't see as many cards. The Greninja like sees you so many more cards turn to turn. So it feels always that much harder to pull off these kind of Mirage Gate plays, but... I mean, it's been working out. Sable's are like, yeah, you said a noob here with a dub and then 
bunch of other people have been like doing well with it as well. Yeah, it's definitely been popping up a little bit um, here in some of these tournaments. Also, another deck that can utilize Countercatcher pretty well, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's like probably, to be honest, that's like the card you want to take advantage of if you can. It's like the best card. It's like the best card in the format. If you can take advantage of Countercatcher, you like the the plays you can make with Countercatcher, like turn to turn, having access to those big plays is like huge. So I think decks that can abuse Countercatcher specifically have like uh like that's like a deck you want to be looking to play it almost feels like yeah i mean any deck like if you can combine any of these already powerful supporters with a gust like that's going to be pretty good right um not just the stall decks able to utilize it but that is another deck speaking of things that have become more popular snorlax stall has snuck its way pretty high up it did win one of the earlier actually wait no this is like just a couple days ago uh bryson hunt won an online tournament zero energy cards eight pokemon and 52 trainers these are borderline <laughs> waylord numbers here as well <laughs> we're getting close to it it's just um, literally one pokemon away i think from it being i think waylord was a 753 split right so i don't know was it that so was it yeah because it's three suicune in the waylord the four waylords right yeah, I guess you yeah, and they played zero energy right i don't even, i don't even remember but yeah that makes sense like, like if i think about attack it costs five energy cards I don't know if there was like I forget if there was like some weird energy because I know at some point they added like Shaman and double turbos or whatever, sure. but yeah, uh, or not double turbos, double colorless energy. So at some point they like they were getting weird for sure, but I didn't know. Yeah, I don't remember like the nationals list specifically, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah we are getting to those whale lord numbers, those whale lord numbers. <laughs> I wonder if there's any other deck that I like ever had it. I'm trying to think if there's like any other deck that was like less Pokemon, more trainers than that. But I can't think of. Good old Mulligan Wide. Mewtwo, buddy. But that had energy cards. There was Durant, but Durant played a decent amount of energy as well. The six energy. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sonic Stall is really good. It has Countercatcher now. That's like a huge deal for the deck. It allows you to play a lot more aggressively and like pull off bigger combos more consistently. Like the deck is definitely a real threat right now. And it beats it beats a lot of things, like just kind of right outright like decks and it's really hard to tech for it for a lot of decks as well like a lot of the decks that like the snorax control deck just beats can't really be teched for um so to be honest i'm pretty scared of what sanders gonna cook up for laic <laughs> i'm not sure if he's going for sure but if he is going i'm kind of scared of what he's cooked what he has cooked up because yeah counter catcher i mean not just with the snorax control deck but there's a lot of different things you could do with counter catcher as well for control type stuff so yeah yeah i mean control like in in general being a card in the format yeah, kind of yeah, because we were just hyping it up in general. I mean, yeah, but yeah, for control specifically, it definitely brings a lot to the control that control has definitely been lacking, which is like consistency, I feel like, in executing its game plans. It's like you have these ideas of these game plans that can work in control up to this point, but it's like doing them consistently is so much harder. But having just one card that is a gust card makes everything else flow so much cleaner. And so much I think better. one of the main problems I have with the Snorlax stall deck right now is I just don't know if it has a I don't know if you can beat Roaring Moon. Like, if someone is just, yeah. just doesn't put too much stuff in play, but it's beating Roaring Moon consistently, which is crazy to look at. 68% win percent. People got a, all they have to do is just like not bench their squawkability, I think. Just I mean, like, sure, sometimes you're going to just start a squawkability or something, right? Yeah. And then you're going to lose to that. But literally, like, I played on ladder a couple days ago. I was playing Roaring Moon up against the Snorlax. I started a Roaring Moon. And I just went attach, pass. <laughs> attach sada knockout and then i took a knockout every turn and won the game and that was it yeah well i feel like yeah i mean that's like a lot of people don't know how to one of the strengths of control 
um, which is always when it's kind of, I'm not gonna lie, it gets a little bit annoying when you, when you discuss control with someone who's a, like, control main. They beat everything with every combo all the time, but that's because <laughs> people just don't know how to play control, like, or play against control, to be honest. So, like, yeah, it's always, like, <laughs> it is always just annoying to talk to someone who's, like, a control main and is always playing a control, like, no matter what, they're like, nah, I beat everything with this and this and this line. It's just like, what if they just, like, attach, pass, and then... Yeah attack what if they two. don't put their greninja in play what if they don't bend squawkability <laughs> yeah. like, no they always have something on the bench it's like yeah but yeah it, yeah a lot of people just don't know how to play control which is one of the strengths of control uh, and when the deck is actually good like it is now you know you can actually beat people who don't bend squawkability turn one so it's actually getting a little scary for control like the deck is, is like you're saying it's pretty good you do have the outs, right? The Erica's invitation added from those, yeah. 151 very good you've got the echoing, echoing horn, horn combo plays you got the Rotom to draw you a bunch of cards early. Like the, the pieces are definitely here. So like you, I, I think Snorlax control was in a spot like the past format and maybe the one before it as well. It's like popped up the last couple months here and there where it's like someone who just kind of knows what they're doing is almost always going to beat it. But now that's not necessarily the case, right? Someone who knows what they're doing can still lose to it because they just get cheesed by Erica's invitation, echoing horn, whatever, any of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now There's it's only like actually so much has... playing around that stuff you can do, right? Yeah, now it actually has good, solid win conditions against someone playing well instead of just hoping to beat people who don't know how to play against control, which is a pretty high percentage of players that don't know how to play against control because, like, it's not a very popular deck, so you're just not going to get any practice against it just, like, on live ladder or even, like, local tournaments. But um, now you actually have solid win conditions that can actually beat people playing well, which is kind of what it was missing, I feel like. Uh, and then another deck that's been pretty popular, actually, yeah, I don't know where it ranked on. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's like broken up here on Joe's list, and that's Charizard, right? So we've got Arvinzard still, 146 championship points earned in this little test Joe did. And then we've got the Evozard with the new technical machine evolution at 132. So 278, I mean, that puts it at third if you combine both the Charizard decks. Obviously, they are going to be a little bit different. Um, but it does feel like this evolutions are the Biberel version of the deck has started to kind of pick up a little bit of steam. Uh, the version that Ryota played over at the Japanese tournament, right? Yep. With the, I'm trying to find the list with the, the toad scroll in it. Cause that is definitely one of the funny things that this deck plays, right? I mean, traditionally one of the bad matchups for Charizard was the, Chimpow, and then the Toad Scroll kind of is just a pretty solid answer to it, right? Yeah, yeah. The Toad Scroll that it uh stops players from putting was it from getting cards from their discard pile into their hand from trainer cards. So it shuts or down or abilities or abilities. Does that even work? Does that does that counter anything in the current format? Not right now, I don't think. But if like yeah. imagine something like a Starmie Space Beacon, right? Like it would yeah. stop something like that. So this basically stops uh, superior energy retrieval. And also, which I didn't know about until someone like tweeted about it. I think it was actually Tuan who Tuan, tweeted yeah. about it. Uh, it also stops Pokestop because Pokestop puts the cards in the discard pile. And then you can get any item cards that go to the discard pile and then put them in your hand. So they're not supposed to just like be revealed. And then you take your items like people kind of play it IRL, which is like a fine way to play it. Um, but yeah, Toadstool actually stops Pokestop. So the thing that kind of Sometimes. like gives... Sometimes, yeah, because I'm beating you live. Top. No, no, no. It stops oh, Pokestop if it is your, your opponent's, opponent's Pokestop. Pokestop. 
yeah. if you had a Pokestop in play and a Toad Scroll, they could still use the Pokestop. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know Gording why you here is like super <laughs> to down to the detail. Yeah, yeah. So if it's your opponent's Pokestop and they get some items and you have Toad Scroll in play, they don't get the items. Everything just goes to the discard pile. So if you just want to discard three cards off the top of your deck, you know, hit the stop. Sometimes um, you might want to, though. You, might want, you need some energy in the discard pile to use your... Oh, you can't use superior energy retrieval because Toad Scroll stops superior energy retrieval, which is the big one it stops. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> I feel like stopping Pokestop with Toad Scroll against Champ is kind of like beating a dead horse. It's like, it's like, it's like, bro, you already win. Chill out. Like, <laughs> so yeah, the tech card to give yourself... I, I mean, effectively, I think it might just give you an auto win, to be honest. Like, them having to go out of their way to chase the Toad Scroll if they even can... They play the Most cross switchers. Do have a couple super rod, um, but that's just like not enough yeah. energy recovery. Yeah, it's not enough to get through multiple Charizards. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think I don't think there really is a this Charizard deck is literally just Pidgeot Charizard. Like they're both Arvinzard. One is just better. And from what I've played, to be honest, I feel like the B Barrel build is better. You don't have to worry about Path to the Peak anymore. Hand disruption isn't as big of a factor either, like early judges, um, or even early Ionos if you're trying to set up a hand for your following turn. You just get everything out a lot more aggressively and cleaner. It's a lot lower maintenance than something like the Pidgey Zard. Um, so yeah, I've been a big fan of the of the of this build of Arvin Zard. I think it's probably superior to the Pidgey build, um, having played it a lot. And the biggest thing is just countercatcher, actually, to be honest. Because one of the things you want to do with the the Arvin Zard, the Pidgey build, uh, was you just wanted to be able to gust aggressively, um, turn after turn. Uh, in the early game to be able to take knockouts and not just hit into your opponent's active that you probably wouldn't be able to KO with your Charizard. And turn one, Arvin, Battle of IP Pass, Technical Machine. Turn two, Arvin, Countercatcher. And then you're just, it's effectively a boss for you and you're just kind of cooking. Yeah. So this, I mean, is becoming the strongest, I think, Technical Machine evolution uh, yeah. at the moment, at least in the current format. And this is definitely the deck that's utilizing it the best. It's pretty cool, right? You just get and go second, do the thing like you mentioned. Um, a 4-3-3 three, three Charizard line. When's the last time you remember seeing a stage two deck that played that thick <laughs> of an evolution line, right? There's only two rare candies in this deck. I mean, it's got, a, like, even when GXs were a thing, right? Like Gardevoir GX and stuff. We were playing, like, 4-1-3, right? Like, we weren't, or sometimes not even playing Curly at all. Vika Bulu was playing 4-0-3, right? When's the last time you remember seeing this many basic stage one, stage two from the same evolution line in a deck? It's got to have been a while. Yeah, definitely been quite a while. Yeah, it's all thanks to the, the technical machine evolution. Um, that's kind of one cool thing about this build as well. It's like, it's like you want that turn one TM, um, but if you whiff it, you still have like you still have a couple of candies in there. You can still get a turn two Zard with a candy, and you're still kind of it's a little bit. It's a little bit less clean of a setup, but depending on how you draw, you can still get things cooking without even getting off the turn one, uh, the turn one TM. It's just kind of ideal to have to pull it off like turn one going second, something like that. I guess um, Gardevoir would count for what I was just saying, so maybe I should. <laughs> but Gardevoir maybe a true. little different because you Gardevoir got feels different. Uh, refinement, like yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. like cheating. Like the deck feels <laughs> like it's got. Yeah, that's not that's not really fair to be honest, because like the, your stage one does so much. It's like you, it's it, it's a literally a draw engine in other decks. Like, <laughs> yeah, Gardevoir. That it's cheating to to count Gardevoir as one of those. Radiant Greninja, or not Radiant Greninja, Greninja Break, I guess would be it, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. This Greninja one's been Break. cool. Um, one of the things as well is like not putting a Pidgeot in play makes it harder for your opponent to find those last two prizes sometimes like getting through a charizard with 330 
is a lot harder than getting through a Pidgeot with 280, especially with Pidgeot being weak to lightning as well. You know, that was a big thing for the Lost Boxes or the yeah. uh, Maridons and stuff out there. They were able to get through the Pidgeot for their last two, but it's a lot harder to get through this Zard. Yeah, definitely. It's like another thing that kind of you kind of have to put them on. There's no like there is like more one prizers that are going to be in play. Like one of the things that are uh, the Pidgeot build could do is you could play down to like a really small bench. Just have like two Zards and a Pidgeot and play have nothing with low HP. But that was mostly against Lost Box decks that that was relevant. And now you got the Jirachi in there for the Lost Box matchup to stop Sableye from getting uh, free prize cards. Right. So you still kind of have that protecting you. Um, so you can really easily set up a board state with a lot of big things to take that they have to deal with. And it's like kind of inconvenient for them to go chase one prizers turn after turn. And they might just not be able to, depending on how many gust effects they actually have remaining. So yeah, the, the, the Charizard deck honestly feels like really, really good. I think it's a little bit underrated right now, like it was before. Um, but also, but one of the reasons for that, it's just, it is kind of a boring deck to play. It's like not super fun to play, right? So I think that might be one of the reasons that we just don't see as many people playing it right now. Cause it's just, yeah, it's just a little bit boring. Like it's not it's also not the new thing, right? Yeah, it's nothing super. It's a new way to play Charizard, but it's not like a new deck for sure. It's not as cool as Roaring Moon or Iron Valiant or the next deck we can talk about, Golden Go. It's been the fifth most popular deck online. In Joe's ratings, it was quite a bit lower, <laughs> which yeah. maybe isn't that surprising. Uh, Azul, I actually saw you were messing around with Golden Go on your stream today. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think of this guy? um i think it is okay that's my my take on it like it's it's okay yeah i was not i've not been like super impressed by it uh, i did i did finally put in some more time into it today on the stream because um, i really hadn't put too much time into it up to this point um but uh yeah it still just kind of feels okay like it feels it does not feel like it's I I don't think it'll end up being like a, a meta deck, I guess is the way I should put it. Like, I don't think it'll be a, a constant meta meta deck in the format for sure. Yeah, we'll probably see like a few pop up in Brazil still, right? Because it's like new, yeah. undefined meta and stuff. But like, as this format goes on, we'll probably see less and less of it. Yeah, I think it'll just like, yeah, it'll slowly kind of, uh, maybe it'll make a comeback like eventually though as well. Like all you need is like, maybe one other card that works really well with it to kind of push it yeah sure uh over the edge so maybe it is just missing that one card like i said it feels solid but it feels like its power level overall is definitely <clears throat> excuse me um yeah it's just missing something it's not quite there i don't think i don't think it's quite there it's close um what is the i played against someone on the ladder playing golden go yeah they were playing this card which was actually pretty solid for them. I like took a knockout on a little thing, turn one, and then turn two, they just played two of this thing and just got six energy into their hand, right? You can only use the, it's letter of encouragement. You can only use it if any of your Pokemon were knocked out during your opponent's last turn. Search your deck for up to three basic energy, reveal them, and put them into your hand. So a bit different from the Earthen Vessel, which most people are playing. Obviously, like the differences between two and three, like it might not seem like that much, but you're talking about the difference between uh you know 100 and 150 damage effectively that's like a way you should probably be thinking about it and that's a pretty big difference right this yeah. is a card i feel like i could see being included in some of these decks a little bit yeah i think it's okay i, I like i don't know vessels are just so important um so if you don't like play the if you do play arvin yeah so this like this list we're looking at right here has arvin it doesn't have the letters but if you have arvin and you have a way to find the letters then i'm like okay 
I can see it being okay then at that point. To be honest, I can see it being all right. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not blown away by a letter vessel. Like being aggressive on your first turn, like opening a vessel in your opening hand to get the terminal attachment to get the first turn Greninja use. Um, yeah, they were playing both vessel and letter. Don't worry. Yeah. It wasn't like it was like one or the other, but it was just like oh, it, they had so much access to their deck. They have four vessel and letters. I think it was just like two of the letters and four vessels still. Okay. Yeah. Just a couple of them. But yeah, uh, I mean, also like, you know, it's just something random. I played against on the ladder. Just thought it was like, it was a card like I hadn't, like I remember reading this card when it came out and it was like, eh, maybe at some point, right? And it was like, oh, someone's already making use of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it could be like a, a cool inclusion, but yeah, not blown away by Golden Go at all yet so far. It's been been pretty mid, but there's still, still more ways to like try it out as well. Um, one card that I have picked up on it in though, to be honest, like, uh, was Colrus. I can't believe people aren't playing Colrus in there. <laughs> like, people are doing, like, Averys and Workers and stuff, which is, like, Workers cool for bumping stadiums. And I guess, like, with the Pokestop specifically, you can go, like, Stop, Workers, Stop, which is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, Colrus has been sick in there for me. Like, I, after I built a build with Colrus, like, you do kind of want to build on your hand because you're just drawing so many cards with the Golden Go. It kind of makes the way, the way the deck functions and flows. It feels like building on your hand is, like, yeah, you don't Correct. want to be playing Iono or Research, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be playing... Yeah, because especially, like, late game Iono is terrible. Like, I have Roxanne's in my list because I still want some hand disruption, but you need to draw cards after you disrupt them. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to attack for turn to get a KO. So, uh, the Roxanne's felt pretty cool, but really, Colrus felt incredible. Like, I saw people with Avery's and Workers, and I tried to list with that initially, but I was like, I'm just not seeing enough cards here, man. Like, I was like, oh, well, Colrus, you know... It does build on your hand, but you get to see five cards instead of three. And the, and it like you might ask yourself then at that point, well, what about the loss owner? We lost on too many good cards, and it didn't really feel like it. I felt like there was always two pretty mid cards that I could easily Yo, get rid of for sure. What if you played this with the loss zone engine, like Comphase and stuff like that too? And then you have switch cards to be able to utilize more coin bonuses potentially. Uh, and then if you get to 10, you can either Sableye, so you have that <laughs> option, because you can play Basic Psychic, or you can Fantina, bro. Make your Golden Go a tanky boy that's not going down. Um, <laughs> I'm ready for Azul to just shut this down right I don't away. think so. <laughs> <laughs> Let yeah, me I don't know about that. Let me dream. Yeah, we're going to have to shut that down, shut down that dream. Um, Yeah. I don't think uh, I don't think that's working. I think it's a little bit too much, with too much cooking right there for sure. Well, maybe we'll, we'll shelve it for now, but don't worry. Fantina Golden Go, someone's gonna make it work. We'll see. We'll keep it on the shelf. It'll be best on the, <laughs> it stays best on the Let shelf. Let it get sure. dusty over the yeah. years. Never pull it off. Never read that book. Oh. All right. Well, uh, a deck that you know you're talking about mid earlier, and something we called mid a time or two in the last format still present in this one and definitely got a bit of a buff here is the Maridon. So obviously JW just won the last tournament with it. Maridon has remained one of the most popular decks as well. And it is a deck as well that can utilize the new Iron Hands EX. What do you think about Maridon currently in the format? Um, I think Maridon as a deck got better because it got a new tool that you play in Iron Hands. But it's standing in the metagame, I feel like maybe got worse just because like Iron or Roaring Moon almost feels like it's just a better Maridon. The only real benefit of playing Maridon to me feels like Paths of the Peak. Like that's like the only, like if, you, if it's like there's enough decks in the format that get hurt by Paths of the Peak, Maridon is one of the best decks or, that can utilize Path. Or Iron Hands, right? 
I don't think playing Iron Hands is really a reason to play a deck. Iron Hands just exists in the meta, and the meta's already, like, being... um, The meta's already, like, being sculpted around the fact that Iron Hands exists. Sure. We see, like, a lack of Lost Box deck. Speaking of that, right, two of Maradon's harder matchups in the Lost Box and the Gardevoir have significantly decreased in play because of Iron Hands. Yeah, Um, and the matchup has gotten better for Maradon because of Iron Hands, right? Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, so it really, like, like uh, it's only straight up bad matchup. Feels like it's probably still just Charizard, right? And you can yeah, win with pass stuff. Um, but like you My said, Morning Moon might just it, be but... a better version, right? Like if it's just two prize beat stick going up against two prize beat stick, I'm probably gonna pick the one that doesn't have to rely on generator versus the one that can get dark patch and Sada, right? Yeah, I think that uh, I think that is probably fair. Um, also, like. Better chances of one hit other actor, pretty much no matter what it is, with Roaring Moon. Um, and I don't know if we're fully entering a choose to go second meta game, but going second has definitely gotten a lot better for quite a few decks for sure. Roaring Moon, I think, is one of the big ones, um, and it almost like prompts people to want to go second because if you go first against Roaring Moon, they're going to get the turn one knockout. But if you go second, they're still going to get the first knockout because they'll get it on their second turn. But now you get to play a supporter to set yourself up better to handle their first KO, right? And you can also um, force something to the act. You have higher chances to force like a one prize Pokemon yeah. to the active spot, right? So they don't just jump ahead with a two prize KO right away. You're yeah. less, you're more limited. Like if you start a Chien Pao going second, well, I guess if you started going, going first, if you started going first, you're like never moving it. And if you started going yeah. second, you're probably not moving it still, I yeah. guess. So maybe <laughs> that's if you just open, tough. Well, but if you open like a Bidoof and bench a Frigibax and you're like, go ahead. Then they're just like, okay, escape rope, KO your Frigibax. But if you go second, play the Irida, open the Bidoof, yeah, get yeah, a second yeah. Frigibax, get a battle VIP pass, then you're cooking and you can set up and you can respond to the moon on the next turn. But otherwise, it's going to be tough to pull that off. So it definitely makes a, a pretty big difference to go second against the moon for pretty much all decks. Um, and like some from Maridon as well. Um, but it really is kind of all centered around Rory and Moon. But then you have decks like the like the Arvinzar that I think just naturally wants to go second against most matchups no matter what. Um Against stuff like Guardi, you still want to go first, but a lot of matchups you do just want to be going second as the uh, Arvinzard. So, uh, so I haven't fully as, switched, but we're still going first with a decent amount of stuff for sure. As people are preparing for the new format, with what seems like Roaring Moon has become most popular, right? Uh, at least early on here, is that the first deck people should be practicing against to get familiar with the new format, whether they're preparing for League Cups or whether they're going to compete at LAIC? Roaring Moon? Um, yeah, I guess like that is probably the first. I don't even know though, because like its popularity has dropped off so drastically. And as I've played against it more myself, that doesn't feel as good as it did like day one. Um, it was just a really aggressive deck, and like other decks were like unfigured out a little bit more. Um, Roy and Moon might end up being what I predicted it more to be. It's just like that uh, two prize beat stick deck <laughs> where it's just like it's okay. Um, and it might fall into more like a, a category of like Maridon category from last format for me. Um, but I, it's a good start. I think the two decks, I think the the what I currently perceive as the best deck, and it seems like a decent amount of people do as well, is Chi and Pao Excalibur with the Iron Hands. So that and Roaring Moon, I would say, are the top two decks to look at. Actually, do you want to, to be honest? I think those two and Charizard are the top three decks to look at as probably going to be consistent contenders um, moving forward towards LAIC and probably just like the metas after that as well. The top three. Yeah. And then I guess one other new card to talk about would be the Iron Valiant. So 
yeah, I mean, I've seen plenty of clips on Twitter of people starting Badoof and losing. <laughs> we just talked to Dan earlier who said, you know, he was ready to play the new set, queued up, got his Badoof donked right away by an Iron <laughs> Valiant. Uh, yeah, what have your thoughts been on this card uh, as you've played with it? I know you spent a little time with it over the weekend. Um, It feels pretty good uh, with Urshifu. Without Urshifu, I don't understand how you win games. I also don't understand how the non-Melanie build of Urshifu wins games. But with with Melanie and being able to go, like, you can give them the first two prize cards, and then you can go, you know, use some Valiance, G-Max Rapid Flow. They KO that or KO another two prize or go down to two. And then you go Yoga Loop, G-Max Rapid Flow. And then I you, you basically out prize trade every deck in the format. The problem I've had with the deck is the consistency. Um, it's like that's not – it's it can be a little bit hard to get to that point. Yeah. But um, I think you literally just beat everything. Like, you, I think you're favored against Roaring Moon if you draw well. Now, how often do you draw well is the question, of course, right? Yeah. Um, your deck is clogged up by, what, 12, 16 switching cards? Like, I mean, we're using them as we see them. We got to go. <laughs> right. But, like, that's less support that's cards, right? That's just less consistency overall. Like, those are not things. Those are part of your game plan. They're not part of your consistency, right? Honestly, one thing I was thinking about is, like, Melanie's good. Um, but energy sticker. Play research every turn instead of okay. Melanie for three. Because one of the things with Melanie is like you don't see as many cards. Um and you don't see uh and like seeing the Melanie first can be a problem as well. Because you have to see Melanie before you see research. And if you see research, you can't research and then play Melanie afterwards. You just need a way to accelerate energy to your Urshifu. Um and Melanie's is the most consistent way to do it. Uh, but is it the best way to do it? I don't know. Energy sticker is a card. Maybe that is the solution. <laughs> there you go. We'll let you cook that one as well. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's there's a possibility there. There's a possibility there for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to work on the deck a little bit more. Like I said, it would suck to be in a format where it's like that is the best deck, right? Something that can yeah. just donk you, but then also when you're playing it, like you have to flip a coin to potentially pull off your game plan or just lose the game yeah i'd want to like test it more against like char the decks like charizard and stuff um because theoretically if the deck goes first you could just win before the charizard player gets to play a turn but if charizard goes first and they get down the jirachi and enough basic pokemon do they just win the game from there would be a question i would have uh, i'm not sure um but yeah if you get down the jirachi to stop the yoga loop you know maybe you can stabilize but like i feels like the deck just beats chi and pow it feels like the deck does just beat Charizard and Gardevoir. Um, the harder the harder matchups are like, uh, well, one is like even like uh, Maridon can be tough because of just Judge. That's what I found when I went against Maridon. It's just getting judged was really annoying. You have Urshifu, but you also need to be able to draw into the cards to be able to play the game uh, as well. So if you're not playing the game, it doesn't really matter if you do have Urshifu against the Maridon, which is a pretty good matchup for lineup for the Urshifu, right? So. Yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff to figure out with the deck, but I think it it would be unfortunate if it was like the by far the BDIF, right? That would be kind of unfortunate. All right. Last thing here. Let's say that LAIC is tomorrow. Pick two decks that would be your top two choices to sleeve up and play in the tournament with whatever practice and testing you've had so far. What'd you say? Pick two decks? To yeah, sleeve that, up it's and like practice? I would play one of these two decks. Um Charizard and Chien Pao. I would say Charizard and uh, Roaring Moon, probably. I don't know about that moon. <laughs> You're trying to be a... <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to just go second and just right. win games, buddy. Come on now. 
two prize race boom 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 dude it would be so sick to play a deck like roaring moon at a tournament because you would have so much time to yourself you know your round would be over in 30 minutes you either win or you lose <laughs> and you're just vibing man living it up in sao yeah, paulo man. brazil they've got all the food vendors out there in the venue <laughs> it'll be so vibing, man. like that you just get to watch everyone else play the game i mean it's nice to like play those like Decks where you end games faster, to be honest, like to have that more time to just kind of chill. I'm trying to think about like the last That's what one I'm I played. Saying, bro. Yeah, I guess like at Worlds, I had like a lot of rounds like that where the rounds were over. Pre- or my round was like you over pretty know. quickly with Fusion. That's another you. deck we haven't talked about yet. I mean, obviously, I think it feels like Muse is kind of a tough spot, right? Roaring Moon, Charizard, right? Charizard's not going anywhere, really. It doesn't feel like. Yeah. Do you think there's any potential for Mew right now in the format? It's tough, especially against like the Evo build as new because you could play like the dte handlock build um but even then you know you don't get it off all the time and if you if charizard wins the coin flip they just choose to go second and get out of b barrel right so and then the fusion build same thing if sar wins the coin flip they're just going to choose to go second and get out of b barrel and have like too many pokemon in play for you to win as mew so i mew has a really hard time against zard um and then roaring moon i feel like has to be an unfavorable matchup right once again it's one of those things where it's like if you go first as mew you can win but if if you win the coin flip as moon and go second, the game's over. Basically, it feels like the game just instant like ends. Um, so Mew's just losing to a lot of a lot of decks when they just choose to go second against you, um, and then you're not really having um, even when you go first against those decks. It's not that good of a time. But those are like two of the most popular decks right now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Mew does not feel like it's in a really good spot at all. And then one um, last one, the Lugia picked up a little bit of steam at that last tournament. You know, a lot of good players went to the single strike Lugia once again. How do we feel about Lugia current format? It's tough. Maridon, Roaring Moon, both bad matchups. The Roaring Moon matchup I haven't quite flushed out fully. It doesn't feel great. Um, so I'm not 100% confident to say one way or the other. But the... Um, Now's the time, buddy. We're busting him out. <laughs> the Maridon matchup definitely feels... But the, the amount of times we've been like, all right, Lugia feels really good going to this tournament. Are we playing Lugia? It was like, a lot <laughs> yeah the amount of times we've like talked about playing lugia going into a tournament has been very very high never actually done it um wait no we did, it, did once it for once. vancouver well that wasn't like that wasn't actually one of those events though we didn't want to play lugia it was just like uh we wanted a break from lost box well they wanted a break from lost box i was down to run it back with lost box again but everyone else wanted a break so not much i could do about that one but um yeah, it feels tough for it right now. It, the main thing is like the Roaring, Roaring Moon and Mariah. The combination of both of those decks seemingly being bad matchups is just uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. Zard's it's, also yeah. still not going anywhere, right? Yeah, Zard is also not going anywhere. With the new like vessel build, you can include the Shaman V, and you can get like yep. you can play basic energy plus luminous energy, yep, yep. and then you can like knock out a Zard. So that matchup actually might not be that bad to be honest. If you include the Shaman, your Zard matchup actually maybe is turned around with the vessels. Uh, it really is the other matchups that uh, have become pretty tough. And I would even say probably your Chi and Pao matchup got harder as well because they have hands now. So they can more aggressively play like a two-prize trade game um, when they go uh, when they go first. Um, they, have a, they have a little bit more options, whereas before I felt like that matchup was Lugia favored because Lugia had options and Chi and Pao was just like, I hope I can KO three two-prizes in a row or you're going to find some way to get ahead. But now the the Chiampao player has a couple more options to get ahead. Um, and can play around more board states. A little bit with the just by a little bit with the iron hands. But yeah, it's tough for Lugia. It's tough for Lugia for sure. 
Well, those are just some of our early thoughts here on Paradox Rift. We'll flesh it out a little bit more next week. I guess next week's episode, we'll actually be recording it from Brazil, right? Is that our game plan? That's what we're doing. So we're gonna we're gonna try. We're trying not to miss an episode. So that's the that's the plan. That's the plan currently. So uh, next week we'll. I mean, we'll be in the thick of it with testing at that point as well. Um, yeah. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, hopefully, that's the plan at least. So yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening and for the support as always. Huge shout out and thank you once again to Dan TDM, absolute legend coming through for us and chatting with us. Really do appreciate him taking his time to come on. And, um, you know, if you're someone who's made it to this point who is a fan of Dan but don't know really that much about the competitive Pokemon TCG, you know, Azul and I are here every single week with the podcast. Azul makes a ton of content on his YouTube channel. He streams and stuff like that. If you're interested in learning more about Pokemon TCG, you know, this podcast and then also Azul's channels and stuff are a great place to do that. It's a fun game. We both love it. You could hear how Dan loves it, right? And uh, yeah. it's definitely something worth getting involved in. Oh, yeah, huge shout out to Dan for coming on. It's really, it's really cool to see how enthusiastic he was about the game in, uh, in general, for sure. Appreciate the support as always, and we'll catch you all next Wednesday. Uh, we mentioned it beginning of the episode last week. I'll mention it right again now if you just weren't, if you haven't caught up and know for sure. But episodes are going to be coming out Wednesdays, yeah. 7 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we're going to be in Brazil. We'll try to figure it out. We're going to try and make it happen. Will it be 7 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday? We're going to try. Catch y'all next week.